a lot of us are at different experience levels. And if we are walking into a new engagement, some of us just walk in with what we've done previously and what we think this person might like. But what if you actually have that conversation and ask them, like, what are your desires? What do you really want from me? And they tell you what they want. And you're like, okay, I'm comfortable doing that, that, and that, but maybe not that. I'm not ready for that one thing. Okay, great. Now there's no expectations. Now we know what we're comfortable with and what we're not. And you can just be as vulnerable as possible and say, you know what? I've never done anal and it scares the shit out of me. And you know what? We don't even have to do penetration. We'll just do some external play and all these little things. And that's like, oh, wow. I have someone who's actually going to like go slow with me and listen to me and give me the opportunity to explore this different region of my body that I've been wanting to, but just haven't felt safe to do so with a previous partner. Fuck. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's all because you took power over your life and over your body by having a conversation. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Dr. Kyle Dean Freeman is a sex empowerment coach and licensed doctor of physical therapy, life coach for sex positive humans. He is the creator of the Sex Powerment Academy, the Modern Man Online Men's Group, and he's a not safe for work NSFW content creator. His mission is to inspire humans around the world to be empowered in their sexuality, embody radical self-love, and remove the chains to their sexual and emotional liberation. He prides himself on his holistic, unconventional means of guiding clients to their fullest expression. I so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Kyle Dean, and I hope that all of you will as well. Y'all, I can't remember the last time I had uh, a guy on the show that wasn't my husband. And I was having a moment here and I was talking to our guest and I was like, you know, we have, I don't know, roughly 80% of you listening that are ladies and the 20% that are, that are men. Hey, <laughs> and I've had women come on the show and talk about men and talk about men's sexuality and talk about premature ejaculation and talk about, you know, a variety of things that come with being a man. Um, but typically from the perspective of like how you as a woman, if you're listening and you're in the group of women, then how you can relate to a man though, I think I have, you know, out of the couple years that the show has been in production, I haven't had anyone come onto the show that is a man to talk about men's sexual empowerment or sexual empowerment in general from the mouth and the lens of a man. And so um, when Serena and I, and many of you may know that Serena is on our team, she essentially keeps all of our shit together. And if I didn't have her, I don't know how any of us would function, myself and Jordan included and any of our other team members as well. And I was chatting with Serena and I was like, okay, well, let's get some, some different personalities on the show. Um, you know, we know that our listeners really like when I come on and I do solos or when I'm on with, with Jordan, my husband, cause I think a lot of ladies like really like that, that varied perspective. Um, and so we were going through, you know, who it could be and what the subject matter could be. And she goes, ah, I know the person. And she said, Dr. Kyle Dean Freeman. And I was like, oh, who's this? And so we start snooping and we're having this big old conversation and I open his Instagram and I am like, this man is quite a character. And um, just, I, I felt like just from experiencing you, so I'll speak directly to you now, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Um, 
you know, when I was like experiencing you online and the, what you put out there, I was like, wow, this is a dynamic multifaceted human who is in a lot of ways, what it seems and what it, what I, my experience was is, is walking your talk of exploring, of helping people, of being empowered yourself and then helping others to um, experience that as well. And I just love the fact that what I was seeing was a man being fully expressed in his sexuality and also in his education and promoting that, that empowerment in others. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing what you got for our listeners. Well, thank you so much. That was a, 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 God, it hit me in the heart with you sharing all that. I have a lot of gratitude for you having me on here. Um, and I feel honored um, knowing that, you know, you don't have a lot of male voices and I hope to be uh, a male voice in this space. And if you are a woman listening and unsure of how you could benefit from me talking, I can speak from experience and knowing that especially if you are interested in men or vice versa, um, how hearing from the other side can make you heal a lot of your wounds with that other gender. Um, it can make you feel more secure in how to speak to men, how to understand them and understand what they go through sexually, how they've been shamed growing up, whatever they have dealt with, you can have a better understanding and better empathy. So Hopefully I can bring that to the table in this chat today. So good. Well, let's set a little bit of the foundation for, for today's chat. And I would love if you could kind of, you know, give us a cliff notes, who you serve and how you serve and what is, what does it look like? Absolutely. Cliff notes. So my name is Dr. Kyle Dean Freeman. Um, I have a doctorate in physical therapy and naturally led me down the route into the field of sexuality and intimacy, understanding the body, how trauma is stored and how I really want to treat people holistically and enter into this realm that I loved personally, the world of sex being a very sexual being and understanding I had a lot of education, uh, but felt as though I would just be that guy who thinks he knows it all about sex. And um, I would get that projected onto me. And so I didn't even want to go that route until I started working with my own coaches, going into my own path of personal development in my uh, ability to relate with others, my ability to love myself, and realize that this was something that needs to be shared. And we are in a progressive age of sexuality and talking about these topics. So I came to the conclusion that this is the route that I needed to go, mm -hmm. um, and that I have a different background that I could bring to the table and help people with. Um, so just background on me personally, not just professionally. I struggled with relationships. I struggled with self-love because growing up had inner child wounds, as we all do, um, and found a way of getting love through sex, like many men do, um, because I didn't get the love that I wanted from my mother. I was always spoken over. And so I found, oh, I'm really good at this thing called sex, and uh, I feel good about it, and people like me, so I'm going to do more of this. But it unfortunately got me in a lot of trouble, got me to feel bad about myself, got me to hurt others, whether it was um, contracting chlamydia three times, whether it was getting women to like me, even though I wasn't looking for a long-term relationship. I was just afraid of them leaving and then feeling hurt and not loved as usual. Uh, and so it got me into a lot of trouble. And I did this for years throughout college when I didn't really have anything else going for me. And it led me to the point of saying, this needs to change. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of being depressed and I'm tired of hurting others. Uh, and so I went down this route of understanding what ethical non-monogamy was and understanding more of myself and working with coaches, therapy, all the things, 30,000 plus dollars later in self-development work and got myself to the point where I started just sharing 
on TikTok, on Instagram, all these places, garnering hundreds of thousands of followers, uh, going on a dating reality TV show, and really just recognizing that authenticity is really needed in today's society, especially on social media, because there's so many people, so many gurus who are just full of shit <laughs> and will tell you whatever they want to make you buy their shit. And the truth is, I just try to come from a place of service and love anywhere I can and helping people just live more authentically, take their power back in their life and in their body and in their sexuality as well. And so right now, what I do is a mix of things. I'm an NSFW content creator. So I have an OnlyFans uh, where I create my own content, but also some educational because it's a great place to be able to make that content and not worry about Instagram fucking taking it down. I also have a six-week course called the Sex Powerment Academy, where I help take you from chained up to sexually liberated and full of radical self-love so that you can go out into the world and not worry about what people think about you and how you live your life. And then I just do one-to-one -one coaching. Um, I do some other things on the side, but that's mm -hmm. really what I mainly do and who I'm I'm helping everyone from men, women to the queer community, everyone in between. Thank you very much. There's so much that's in your story, of course, that is relatable, even in my experience. Um, and, and, you know, my, my husband and I have talked on the show, goodness, I can't remember when we actually spoke about when we first got together, he, um, so I'm like, how much of this context do I want to give? But I, my instruction to him was essentially when we were meeting, I was in New Orleans, he was in California and uh, we met online and he was like, okay, well, I'm going to come fly to New Orleans and meet you in person to see if this is real. And I said, great, I'm, I'm so open to that. And if you have any intention, I have no expectation of this, but if you have any intention on being sexual with me, then I would love for both of us to have up-to-date testing. And he was like, okay, Whew. Hadn't been tested since sometime in college, maybe before college, sometime around then. And we were at the, we were in our late twenties at this time. So we'd have been like somewhere around 29 and he was like, oh my gosh, I've been avoiding this thing for so long and this like shame and all that situation. And then, um, he actually wound up having chlamydia and didn't know. And, and, um, so when you shared that piece and the, like getting to a place where, um, like, like I saw a lot of things converge, like the, the reality for a lot of people, the hopelessness at times, the shame, the kind of like, well, if people are experiencing pleasure and I'm not hurting anyone physically, then I should be doing okay. Right. Like this isn't bad. Right. But then getting to a place where it's like, wow, I have to pull back the curtain. I got to shine a light on all this stuff and actually do the deep work in order to live the life that I really want to live you know, and stop hiding from myself and stop living in that shame. And thank goodness he was newly partnered with me because I was already doing this work. And I was like, oh, that's an antibiotic. No big. And he was like, what? You're not going to rip me to shreds. I'm not a worthless piece of garbage now. Am I not worthy of love? Because I have this thing like, do you even know what this thing is? I'm like, do you have any idea how, you know, not that I want to pass off like STIs and contracting and whatever, but how easy it is to essentially let that thing go, you know, get rid of it. Um, and so it wound up having a, a really positive impact, um, on our relationship and then started then his journey to, let's say sexual empowerment and sexual development, which is, I think kind of like a subset and like general personal development ensued from there, I would say. And it's been pretty miraculous to see even his expression and his unfolding and development over the last five or so years, five plus years. 
Um, and so, yeah, I was hearing you speak and, and I'm just like, ah, oh, so much of this is like, I can imagine Jordan in this instance and that, that kind of thing. And it really is such special, powerful work. And I don't know what that experience was like on your side, um, but dealing with that, but I really, I really love that you included it because there's so many people that are on either the side that they're partnered with that, or they experience that and will never share that component to their story. That's the importance of bringing these things to the light. Uh, a lot of us keep these things in the shadows, uh, the behaviors that we've had, the behaviors that we do have, that we love, that we feel shame over, kinks, all these things. Um, and those end up working their way in the shadows of our personality and how we bring them out into the real world. Um, and so thank you for sharing that as well, because it makes me not feel alone. And it makes me remember that there's other people going through these same things because of the stigmas we've created in society, the stigmas we have around sex, and there's just lack of conversation around these topics. And so when we can bring light to these conversations and be like, yeah, you know what, I had chlamydia. And um, yes, I got over it. And yes, now I make sure to have what's called a spread talk mm -hmm. with potential partners talking about sexual health preferences, emotional attachments, all these kinds of things, so that I am making a conscious decision about engaging with this person. And you know what, a lot of people are not used to these conversations, but someone has to lead the way someone has to show and say, Hey, listen, we don't have to just make assumptions and think, Oh, you know what, uh, we're just going to do it. And in the middle of it, um, then you can ask me if we're going to use a condom. Then you can ask me when I'm probably going to be in a manipulative state because now I'm charged up sexually and all I want to do is have sex and just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got tested a couple months ago and I've only had two partners since and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we could bring these things to the light and have these conscious conversations, as you do, we can really start to open up authentically and not feel shame over these things. Mm, I love that. And would you mind, because I imagine that um, there's some people that are like, wait, hang on. He said spread. And what happened? Like spread, spread legs, spread joy, spread. spread. <laughs> I love that as a tool and I'm familiar with it, but I would love if you explained just what those, um, what that kind of conversation would look like. Because I think that so many people who are listening would be like, oh, light bulb moment. Maybe write those things down and take them into uh, maybe their next sexual experience. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give the shortened version. If you want to hear more about this, feel free to reach out to me. Um, but it's called the spread talk. It's not for spread your legs. It could be spread your legs if you really wanted to, but we call it spread the love. Um, that Great. way we're having a conscious conversation. Um, but it's an acronym, acronym with S standing for sexual health, P standing for preferences, R standing for relationship status, uh, E standing for emotions, uh, A standing for aftercare, and D is decision, which could also lead into desires, fears, boundaries, okay? So this is basically a conversation. If let's say you're going on a date with someone and uh, you're interested in them and you wanna see if you wanna truly progress forward with them, you might not know if they have similar interests as you, you might are, be interested in having sex with them, but you wanna make a conscious decision so that you're not risking an STD or if you're sure that this person's on birth control or not, or they've had a vasectomy or not, you're understanding, is this person in a relationship? Because nowadays non-monogamy is growing. And so do you have a relationship? What type of relationship are you looking for? Um, do you have any boundaries with that partner that you currently have? Um, your preferences is talking about, you know, what your preferences are sexually, if you're heterosexual, bisexual, lesbian, whatever it might be. Um, and you just go down this list. Uh, then we get to emotional connection. 
which what are you looking for emotionally in this connection, right? Maybe you're not looking for sex. Maybe you're actually just looking to have deep eye gazing and have deep conversation and maybe light touch this night and you're not ready to advance to sex. And then what type of aftercare do you enjoy after having a sexual experience? Or even if it's a non-sexual experience, do you want me to check in with you tomorrow to see how you're feeling after this experience that we had today? And then basically, once you go back and forth and discuss where you're at, both on each topic, you get down to D, decision, where you decide, is this something I want to move forward on? Or is this something I'm not ready for? And if you're ready to move forward, then you can start working your way into what we call uh, desires, fears, and boundaries. So now that we're like, all right, uh, let's say we definitely want to fuck tonight. We've agreed we're going to use a condom. And what are the specific desires you have? Maybe you don't want to have penetrative sex, but maybe you're like, I'm down to do oral and I would love for you to eat me out and I would love for you to tie me up. And uh, yeah, those are my desires. And then my boundaries would be um, no pain more than a seven out of 10, um, no slapping. And um, I just want to make sure you ask me before you penetrate me with your fingers. Okay. And then lastly, fears are, you know what, what fears are alive? Maybe you trust this person, but you never know. Maybe you have a fear that they will lose presence and start doing things uh, that you're not ready for. Or maybe you have a fear that you won't speak up because you struggle to speak your needs. Um, and so speaking to these things allows this potential partner understand where you're at, you understand where they're at, and that way you can make a conscious decision of what risks you want to take, what you don't want to do, and be able to speak to your yeses and nos so that you have the best possible experience possible. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. The best possible experience possible. And and I bet that there's so many people, thank you for sharing that, and there's so many people that are listening that are like, men talk like this somewhere? Mm -hmm. You know? Like, hang on, hang on. So I'm curious what your, what your thoughts are, maybe where you were before, you know, you learned to have these kinds of conversations. Cause I imagine there are some women that, that might be listening, people that might be listening that are like, I wouldn't even know what to do with a conversation like that. Or, you know, maybe they're in a relationship and, and even though that's like, you know, typically used if, if you're going to have maybe a sexual encounter with someone for maybe the first time, but I see it where you can use it over and over again. But, you know, someone who's maybe in a long-term relationship is kind of like, well, how would that, can I use that also in my current long-term relationship? And the answer is yes. And then what would that kind of conversation be like with a guy that's never experienced anything like that? It's really interesting. I'm just curious your thoughts. No, it's a beautiful question. And I have to remind myself often because I surround myself with people and connections who are of this consciousness per se, whatever you want to call it. Awareness. And so oftentimes, yeah, awareness. And, and this happens amongst everything, especially even when I was strictly doing physical therapy, I'm surrounded by people who know how to take care of their bodies. Yeah. And then I forget that some people who aren't in this realm don't know the basics and, and are, I have to think back to where I was years ago um, and simplify it and recognize that a lot of people are at different levels in their level of education and experience in these realms. So when we can just break it down and make it simple and understand that, listen, this might be a new conversation for you. And that's good. That means you're starting to take your power back in your life, over your body, over your sexual experiences, over your pleasure, because you are saying, you know what, I'm not just going to be taken and, and allow someone to do what they want to me, especially this is especially speaking towards women, men as well. 
but saying that, you know what, I'm going to take the opportunity to speak up to what I want because my pleasure is important and my body is important and I care for it. And I want to stand in my integrity when I'm going into an experience like this. So if you are going to be connecting with a guy, for example, if I'm speaking to the women right now, who doesn't know what this type of conversation is like, they've never had this before. It's not their fault. This is not normalized in society. Most of us don't know this, but you don't have to say, hey, you know what? I would love to have this um, spread talk. Um, and, you know, because that kind of comes yeah. off a little bit weird, but yeah. you could go, hey, you know what? I'm really interested in seeing how we progress further, but I just have like a couple questions that I'd love to ask you. And I'd love to share with you some of the things that I'm interested in so that we can just see if we're on the same page. Most people will be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. And then you can go into, you know what? Yeah, I, I think I am interested in maybe moving forward sexually. So I'm just curious, like, um, have you been tested recently? Um, did you get a full panel? Um, how many partners have you had since uh, your last test? Most people would be okay answering these questions. Now, here's the trigger. If they aren't okay with answering these questions, that's probably a red flag that you don't want to engage with this person. And right there, you could be done or at least keep them as a friend. So when you are asking these questions, and not always just about the answers, but also the lack of answers or how they come off when you ask them these things, are they feeling a little defensive? Are they showing different body signs that aren't making you comfortable, right? So when you're engaging in this conversation, you can uh, talk about all your stuff first and say, you know what, I'm just going to tell you a few things about me, I'm, you know, my sexual health, uh, my preferences, my, uh, my sexuality, and go through it yourself. And then you can ask them, or you can go back and forth and go S for sexual health, tell them yours, ask them theirs, then go into uh, preferences, then ask them yours and go down the list, whatever feels comfortable for you. And the first time doing this, it might feel weird for you. And that's okay. It's because you're doing something different. But the more you normalize having these interactions and recognize how you feel after the conversation and after you've engaged with someone, now that you're going into uh, a sexual engagement, here's the biggest part of this conversation. It creates safety. Mm -hmm. That's it. That is the biggest part of having this conversation is it creates safety because if you're going into an interaction and you don't know these things, you might be having them in your head, spinning around going, uh, is he going to put on a condom? Um, uh, am I risking something? Uh, is he going to pull out? Right. And then you're not engaged in the experience. You're in your head. You're not in your body and you're not going to have an enjoyable experience. In the case of women, your yoni probably isn't going to fully open up because she doesn't feel safe and all the things. But if you have this conversation, you now know consciously and you are making the decision based on their answers of, am I going to engage or not? And now you have created safety in your body and you can go into that knowing all the information possible. Our favorite place to shop for crystal, glass and metal toys is Yoni Pleasure Palace. Sacred squirters, cervix serpents, Yoni eggs, prostate massagers, anal plugs and beaded wands, G-spot massagers, and something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with, our plush velvety waterproof blanket. Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. 
When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, when you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it, along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough to add to your collection, visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code thatsexchick, all one word, at checkout for 15% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. Mm, yes. And I think from that safety, there's also some confidence. Like, you know what to do. It's not like you're looking at someone and they're, you know, they're a new piece of technology and you don't have the instruction manual, right? You're like, I don't know what bobs and levers and knobs to push right now. And because you haven't had any kind of discussion, this lays out the other person's user manual for the, for the night, um, you know, because they update it by day. Um, moment by moment sometimes, but you know, where it's like, oh, well now you're giving me the keys to the kingdom. I want to please you and I want to feel good. So, um, and I think that that's perfect. And then when, how it translates into long-term relationships, maybe you're not having the sexual health conversation per se, but you have all the rest of the conversation. Um, and I think by continuing to open up those, those conversations, and then it leads to the safety and then confidence. And I think that's something that, that, men in particular kind of get a little bit challenged by when it comes to sexual conversations. Like, oh, if you're asking for something different or I perceive it as maybe critical because it isn't a thing that I have done in the past, then maybe you don't actually like me as I am or accept me for who I am or maybe even respect me as I am. And then it kind of perpetuates a dynamic that I hear a lot in relationships, which is that I'm too much because I'm asking for more and I'm not enough because you're not just okay and happy with what I feel good with providing. And so these conversations, even though they might be in the moment challenging to have or awkward because you've never done them before, just generally speaking, they lead to that confidence being built. That way you can feel a bit more expressed, even just in the conversation. And then maybe if you're a little less in your head and you feel a little bit more comfortable in your body, then you're more, your desires are more accessible. Your pleasure is more accessible. And then you build upon all of these things. You just keep stacking upon this. And then you have, you know, sexual experiences that maybe you've never had before. And it's not because it's this, you know, there's so many different things that are happening in the bedroom or this new toy or the whatever, but you're so deeply relaxed with the other person and you feel safe with the other person. And you both feel confident in the decisions that you've made and the dynamic that you're playing around with. Yeah, that's beautiful because a lot of us are at different experience levels. And if we are walking into a new engagement, some of us just walk in with our what we've done previously and what we think this person might like. But what if you actually have that conversation and ask them, like, what are your desires? What do you really want from me? And they tell you what they want. And you're like, okay, I'm comfortable doing that, that, and that, but maybe not that. I'm not ready for that one thing. Okay, great. Now there's no expectations. Now we know what we're comfortable with and what we're not. And um, you can just be as vulnerable as possible and say, you know what? I've never done anal. And it scares the shit out of me. And now, (laughs) (laughs) or or it keeps it really sucked in. Uh, But (laughs) they they now know. Okay, they've never done it, but you know what? I have experience. If you're interested, we can work on it going slow. And you know what? We don't even have to do penetration. We'll just do some external play and all these little things. And that's like, oh wow, I have someone who's actually going to like go slow with me and listen to me and, and give me the opportunity to explore this different region of my body that I've been wanting to, but just haven't felt safe to do so with a previous partner. Fuck. Yeah. 
that's amazing. And it's all because you took power over your life and over your body by having a conversation. And just to add to that one point of um, existing relationships, for those of you listening who are in a existing monogamous relationship, marriage, or even Mm -hmm. non-monogamous, you don't have to have the full spread conversation if you're in a monogamous relationship. Maybe if you're in in a non-monogamous relationship and you haven't seen a partner in a little bit, you might want to talk about sexual health to see what engagements they've had. But if you're in a monogamous marriage and you're about to have sex tonight, maybe instead of just like getting in bed and rolling over and just engaging without any sort of intention, maybe take a moment and go, hey, you know what? Before we engage, like, let's set some intentions for um, sex tonight or our intimacy tonight. Um, What do you really want tonight? Maybe one of you doesn't actually want to have sex, but just really wants to cuddle, really would love a massage. But you wouldn't know that if you just rolled over and started playing with them. And maybe they're going to be engaging against their will because they don't know how to speak up, right? Um, Maybe you can speak up about your desires that night and any fears you might have and any boundaries you might have. And that way you have intentions about this engagement you're going to have with your partner. And so you can have a aware, engaged experience together. And all of this kind of leads me back around to how someone can feel sexually empowered, which I know that is a big part of your message. And so I, I just want to ask the question, what does it mean? sexually empowered and you mostly touched on it but I want like the kind of bullet point like here's my definition of it and everyone listens to this and then you can create a mantra okay <laughs> and then I would love to hear about the time maybe where you it kind of clicked for you where you felt truly sexually empowered beautiful great question sexual empowerment if I could make it as short as possible so you can remember this, is taking authority over your body and your pleasure. That's a simple definition. We could go into more complexities of it. But taking authority over your body, your desires, and your pleasure. A lot of us, especially women who are listening, have been conditioned through society, through media, to not speak up, to just do as you're told, be a good little girl or boy. And then as we've gotten older, We struggle to speak up our desires. And then when we do and someone doesn't like it, what do we do? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Oh my God, now I'm anxious and I'm going to have a mental breakdown, right? How many of you who are listening may have experienced this in your life? Um, And this is not everyone, right? But this is a lot of people who come to me. They are the people pleasers. They are the martyrs. They are the ones who overgive and then feel exhausted and don't know why they're unhappy and don't know why they're not getting pleased in the bedroom because they don't know how to speak up. They've never been taught and they're afraid to, okay? Sexual empowerment is a form of education and also giving you permission to go there, giving you the permission to say, my body's important, my pleasure is important, my desires are important, and I, as a sovereign being, should have the ability to have these conversations and speak up to my desires. And if I say no, that means no. And that has nothing to do with you, right? That has to do with me taking care of myself. And if you're offended by that, too fucking bad. Because I don't want to engage in this way. And I'm not ready for that. And that is empowerment right there. Being able to say fucking no. And yes, but really truly being able to say fuck no, that I'm not going to go do that. That's empowering. Because you are now taking power over your life. We live in a society right now where victimhood is being glorified and it's not okay. 
It's really not okay because A, it takes away from the people who are truly victims of heinous acts, who are really truly victims of you know rape and really bad shit. And it makes these other people become manipulative. They try to become the victim to get love and we feel bad for them. When in reality, that is giving up your power. That is being manipulative. And that is not a way to live. These are the people who want everyone else around them to act a certain way to please them because they cannot stand someone else saying no to them, someone else not treating them the way they want to. Being empowered is stating who you are and being okay with people disagreeing with you, being okay with saying, I'm interested in these things and I want these things and someone else saying no and being like, that's okay because I love myself and uh, I'll go find someone else who will like to do those things with me. And I'm not going to shame you for it. I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to put you all over social media and say, you're this piece of shit. No, it's just, okay, that's fine. I can handle rejection. And I'm going to love myself first. And that's where the issue stems from with most clients that I deal with is that people don't love themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know this because I've been there. I know this because this is part of my story and the reasons that I did the things that I did because I couldn't bring the desires I had to the light. And so those desires I had worked in the shadows. And so I did those shadowy things to get the thing that I wanted, which was love. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? I don't want a monogamous relationship. I really, I fucking love you, but I have other sexual desires that I don't want to restrict. And I would love to be able to explore them. But I was so afraid of that partner saying, no, that's terrible. You don't love me enough. I should be enough for you, all these fucking things. And then I was a terrible person. And then I wouldn't get love. They would leave me and I was a piece of shit. So I didn't speak to those things out of those fears. When in reality, once I started speaking up honestly about the things that I wanted, the things I craved, the way I wanted to be loved, and the people who weren't interested in that, I let them go and it was okay. And actually they respected it. They were like, thank you for being honest and not waiting three months to tell me the truth or hiding it and then cheating or doing some dumb shit so that I'm further hurt. So it came with just vulnerability, honesty, but really just radical fucking self-love and saying, you know what, this is who I am and I don't have shame over it anymore. So I'm going to bring it to the light. And now I don't have to hide those things. Now I can tell a partner, hey, you know what, I'm not looking for a monogamous relationship. I'm interested in you, but I still have sexual desires with other people. And the weight off my fucking shoulders is immense. Mm -hmm. And that can come for you too. And it doesn't just have to deal with non-monogamy, but maybe you have shame over one of the kinks that you have, and you've been hiding it from your partner for fucking years because you're worried they're going to leave you. They're going to shame you. They're going to hate you. Because I know I have a lot of clients who come to me like this. who are like, ah, I just, you know what? I love piss play. And I'm so afraid that my partner is going to shame me into the ground and tell me I'm disgusting. When in reality, everyone has kinks. A lot of us have similar kinks. We just don't speak about them because we're all insecure. And we all stay in our little insecure bubbles. When in reality, if we just brought these things to the light and had these conversations, it takes the weight off your shoulders. It takes the anxiety away. And it stops you from working in the shadows and doing things mysteriously. And uh, just if you're, I know I'm talking about the shadow work a little bit here. So I'm just going to bring a very obvious 
situation that occurs in society, just to give you an outlook on what that looks like. We see a lot of priests in churches who have desires, but they don't aren't allowed to explore them sexually. So what do they do? We see them oftentimes with children. We see them oftentimes doing things behind the backs because they're working in their shadows and not bringing to the light what they truly desire. They're restricting themselves. And what you restrict yourself is what controls you. And so that is not any shame on religion or anything, but I just wanted to bring a very clear and obvious point of what working in the shadows is um, so that hopefully someone could get a better understanding. Totally. Uh, Recovering Catholic here. So I uh, understand that. And also shadows, like if you're not uh, expressing in your, let's say, long-term monogamous relationship, but having an affair Mm -hmm. because you're not getting, let's say, the quantity of sex that you want or the variety in sex, or you're actually partnered with someone that can't stop, uh, can't hold themselves back from criticizing you constantly. And so it's, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm accepted fully, you know, which is usually transactional. So there's lots of ways that, that the shadow comes out. And I think a, a really big piece of this is, uh, and you said it in so many words, is taking full responsibility for who you truly are. And a part of that is actually doing the excavation work instead of kind of wallowing in the I don't know. Because I think that's a lot of people that that feel um, that are in maybe that victim, like you were talking about that martyr role where life is happening to them and their life is so full. How could they ever possibly, where would they find the time to like discover themselves or enjoy themselves or follow their pleasure or anything like that? There's all these things to do in these kids and these responsibilities in this maybe marriage or partnership or this job or whatever is just so big that they completely dull their life in a lot of ways and don't have access to pleasure and don't have access to desire. And like, I'm sure you see people that come to you in your work. I certainly see a lot of women come to me um, in my work that are saying that like, they just have no lust for life where it's, it's just, it all just seems really detached. Um, Like they seem detached from it and certainly detached from their body. And so, you know, and that's, that's a very disempowered place and how shadow might be working for them is, is a little different. Shadow might be working through them and that they're hypercritical and everything um, to everything in their life and that they take everything for granted and they're not appreciative for what they experience. And they, they project that this disgust or the disdain that they might have for their existence or components of their existence. And they project it onto their families. And they project it onto maybe their partners. Um, and then you have an ecosystem that's around them that is just heavy. And they're, you know, whatever's, whatever they're touching is also feeling um, some of that lack of empowerment as well. So this is, you know, I, people come to me a lot of times and they're like, yeah, I can't wait to learn about sex from you. I'm like, cool, want to learn about all the shit that seemingly has nothing to do with sex, but is directly affecting your sex? Buckle up. We're going to talk about forgiveness. Buckle up. We're going to talk about shame. Buckle up. We're going to talk about how you have no connection to your body or your pleasure. You don't know what you want in life. Um, you know, this is always so much bigger. And then you see like the, the things start getting lifted. Like you say that weight off your shoulder. Like I'm not doing this thing that I hate or I'm not partnered with this person that like I feel is sucking the life out of me or, I'm, you know, like they, they release those things. I'm not hiding this foot fetish. I'm not hiding this latex interest. I'm not hiding this, you know, whatever, insert whatever the kink thing is, the submissive preference, you know, um, especially in in the women that, that come to me that are feeling very like alpha or they're entrepreneurial or 
you know, and, and they have this deep craving to surrender and to be submissive, but what does it mean about them? And so it comes out in all these crazy ways. But, um, you know, I think that, that it comes with doing that work and, and, and taking that first step of like, okay, well, I'm going to get curious about myself. I'm going to really get curious about myself. As you may know, not only am I a sex, love, dating, and relationship coach, but I also teach other coaches this niche craft. The Sex and Love Co team and I have now run our signature coaching program, Sex Coach Prep School, for over three years and have helped over 100 coaches develop new skills while learning how to run a successful coaching business. The program has evolved from a 12-week program to a four-month program to a seven-month program, which is when I realized this isn't really a prep school anymore. So we decided to make some changes, make the program a little lighter, and build in everything you need to know in order to determine if sex and love coaching is the right career move for you. So Sex Coach Prep School is now a six-week program covering topics like sex education, relationship structures, coaching tools to use when working with clients, and so much more. Starting in June 2023, SCPS now includes three live virtual sessions, six modules, 22 educational videos, exclusive private Facebook group access to our students, a one-on-one support call with one of our Sex and Love Co. team members, access to two additional bonus business-related offers, lifetime access to the Sex Coach Prep School program, and a community of sex and love coaches to lean on and learn from. SCPS is also a great program if you are already a coach who wants to add some additional intimacy skills to your coaching tool belt. And if you're ready to change your life and are all in on up-leveling your coaching career, our larger and more extensive program, now called Sex and Love University, is coming in fall 2023. Side perk, go through the new and improved Sex Coach Prep School and your investment counts as credit towards SLU. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about becoming a sex love and or relationship coach and completely and totally changing your life this year. And it's so interesting when you were talking just now, um, I thought about, okay, so I'm in a Facebook group and it is a a group of women and everyone's interested in erotic novels. So it's, um, I think the group is called Bang and B-A-N-G stands for things book smacked and naughty or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's really funny. And I'm very entertained. I am like, I'm not, I have a group and I'm in that group and I'm really not in any other group on Facebook. Facebook's just kind of like meh to me now. Um, so I'm in this group and I realized the other day it's like simultaneously entertaining and so heart wrenching because it's a ton of women that are like adding to my list of kinks. And in one way they're excited about it because they're reading erotic literature and they can imagine themselves in the main characters perspectives and they're getting turned on by a wide variety of things. And then in a separate post, they feel completely and totally hopeless that they'll never be able to experience these things, that they'll never be able to experience a love like that passion like that. Like it's just for the movies or it's just for the books and it's not something that they get to have in real life. And, and that's, you know, another, another angle that they take in kind of wallowing in a sense where they're like, my husband will never do these things or my boyfriend, or I'll never find a partner that's willing to do these things with me. And I don't know, I, I guess I can ask, you know, if I want to turn that into a question for you, Kyle, um, you know, what, what message would you have to maybe some of these, you know, housewives or girlfriends or singles that are out there that are like, I'm reading an erotic novel and there's double penetration. I want it so bad. And I'll never, you know, I'll never get to have it. I just inserted, you know, 
inserted. Um, just another kink that's on the list uh, that I see people talking about in there. So I'm just going to breathe that in all for a moment because that's a lot. It's, it, it is a lot. And just know, A, if this resonates with you, uh, what Alexa just shared, just know you're not alone in that. Just know you're not alone in not feeling like your desires aren't going to be met. However, however, there are ways to have these things met, but it starts with A, truly loving yourself, uh, truly loving yourself to the point where you put your opinion of yourself first over the opinion of anyone else. Because a lot of us in society, we hold ourselves back from the things we want because we're worried about what other people will fucking think about what we do, right? I'm on OnlyFans. My dick's on the internet, all right? And you know what? My mom probably doesn't like it, but you know what? I don't care. <laughs> guess what? There are people who benefit highly from my content, like change their lives from my free content. Um, just giving them permission to have these conversations by saying, you know what? We're going to talk about sex like we're talking about coffee. It's not going to be this, this immature little childish thing where we giggle about every little thing. And sure, we can laugh. Sure, we can have fun. Sex is a fun topic. But a lot of us, we laugh and we we hide our faces because we're insecure and we're uncomfortable talking about anal, talking about double penetration, talking about these fantasies and these kinks that we have. It's because we're insecure and it, and it's okay because we're not used to these conversations. Most of us may have grown up in families where it's very conservative, it's very religious. Oh my God, you're a slut because you kissed that boy or that girl, right? And so it's just a matter of, pulling that all away and recognizing, okay, like Alexis stated earlier, that a lot of what I do with clients it, it, it actually isn't talking about sex. It's talking about what have you not uh, healed? What wounds are you still holding on to? Where are you still looking for validation from other people? Because that plays into your sexual life. And so if you are reading erotic novels, if you're watching porn and you're getting ideas, which is all great, right? You don't know what you don't know until you're exposed to it. And you go, oh, yeah, I want to be tied up. That sounds fucking amazing. Well, it's a matter of owning the fact that A, don't say it'll never happen for me because words are important. The second you attach things like that, it won't happen for you because you're going to make it a belief. You're going to make it hard grained in your life, which is truly a lie. L-I-E stands in belief, right? A belief is oftentimes a lie because it's something you created in your own mind. I'll never write that book. I'll never get that relationship. I'll never get fucked by two men. Well, if you make that belief in your mind, it's hard grained and it's not going to happen. But if you open the entry door to say, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to make this happen for me. And how do I do that? Well, you know what? I have a partner right now who doesn't talk about these things. He's very reserved. Uh, he gets very defensive. I see this often because a lot of men are like that, okay? But you can say, you know what? I love myself. My desires and my pleasure is important. And this is something I want to explore. I'm not just going to go to my partner and be like, I want to be double penetrated tomorrow night, right? That's going to be a little overwhelming. <laughs> That'd be my husband's worst nightmare. <laughs> like, um, what? What are you saying? Right? Some people, you have to recognize who you're, who you're dealing with. You know this person probably more than others. But recognizing, okay, 
we're going to ease this in. We're going to work this way in, you know, just like with sex. I'm not going to just shove it in raw and dry. I'm probably going to, you know, warm it up, probably tickle it a little bit, yep. use my tongue, right? Um, stare in your eyes and then slowly move one <laughs> finger in, hear a moan, see you're getting wet, right? Until like an hour goes by. Now my dick's inside you. Okay, right? We're, we're not just like going straight in. Same thing with this. It goes, you know what? And I, I created like a little form to help people. It's called the um, Intimate Compatibility Icebreaker, where it's just a form that you can fill out with a partner and just say, you know, you could go up to them and be like, hey, you know, I found this little form and you know what? I feel like, um, you know, we just don't talk about sex a lot. And and I, I want to see more of what you're interested in. I want to be able to please you more. Take it off of you. The, the more times that you could take it off of you about what you want and what you're not doing for me, and make it about, I feel like I want to please you more. I feel like I want to uh, open up our relationship more and explore the depths a bit more. And I feel like maybe we're both holding back because we're just afraid to have these conversations. And when you're speaking from an I position and not a, you make me feel this way, right? That creates defensiveness. But I feel like I could do this. And I feel like I want to do this for you. That can open the door to a more healthy conversation where defensiveness doesn't happen, contraction doesn't happen. And now you're going, okay, well, you know what? Like I, I read this erotical novel and uh, this woman was doing these things and these things. Have you ever been interested in that? Do you have any experience with that? And just slowly opening the door and seeing how it goes. And it might not all happen in one conversation, but also your partner might be thinking the same damn thing of like, damn, I got all these things I want to do, but I'm afraid to talk to them. And you're in this fucking long-term relationship and you're both siloed over here, but really... The depth is right there and you just got to open the door. So that's the short answer. There's a lot more that can go into it. <laughs> totally. And I imagine that there's so many people that deal with the shame and the guilt components too. And so um, I'm curious, you know, what your, what you'd have to say to someone who's just like feeling, feeling it, you know, like shame or guilt are the things that are essentially in the way that if they were to deduce it down, it's um, yeah, some, some variation of maybe religious guilt or shame, um, or societal guilt or shame or something like that. I mean, how, how have you been able to kind of bust through those things? And, and what do you see maybe even in, in some of your community or your clients? Great question. Um, so a lot of people struggle with shame, um, whether it's from, from their, uh, upbringing or from previous partners or experiences. But one of the biggest ways is just a acknowledging that it's there. And just going, hey, you know what? I have shame over my body or the way my dick looks or whatever it might be. Um, why? And then we have to go deeper and go, okay, why do I hold this shame? Where is this originally coming from? We have to get to this source because if we're just treating the symptoms, you're like, oh, you know what? I, I feel insecure about my dick. So you know what? I'm going to get an extension for my cock, like a, a, a um, silicone extension that'll make me feel better, like I could please my partner better. Or you know what, I'm going to learn how to do all the sex positions. So I'm a, I'm a sex guru, right? Just to hide the fact that you're insecure about your dick. So instead you go to, okay, why and where is this coming from? Where is the source? And once you get there and you go, you know what? Oh, that's right. When I was in the bathroom in fourth grade, Jimmy came in and made fun of my dick, right? And I've held that for fucking years. And I still feel that way. And I still feel like everyone who's going to look at me is going to make fun of the way my dick looks, right? Or the way my pussy looks. Okay. And so once you get to that place and go, oh, fuck, fuck Jimmy, <laughs> right? And understanding that 
you know what, dicks look all different. And it's not about just that and how you can please a partner, right? And just doing that work and, and trying to release that wound and heal that wound and expand from it. That's where you start. That's the starting point. It's just recognizing it and going deeper to find the source of that shame, whatever it might be. And also, when you can look at facts as well, you know, um, let me think of a quick example. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are actually in non-monogamous relationships. We don't even realize it. Um, it's a high percentage. It's usually like about 20 to 30% of people actually want a not a form of a non-monogamous relationship. We just don't talk about this, right? So when you actually see those facts and feel like, oh, I'm not alone in wanting this thing, that this is actually pretty normal nowadays. It's just people have been hiding it. You don't feel like this fucking outcast. And this goes for a lot of other things, a lot of other health facts, whether we're talking about chlamydia and how common of a little virus that that is and how easily it's fixed. And it's not this big thing of like, oh my God, I've had chlamydia. I'm a terrible person. Then it takes a lot of that shame away and you recognize, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought. And we can move forward with from this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and kind of even maybe the more like, uh, not ma- mature, but, but as you grow. So it would be like forgiving Jimmy. Fuck you, Jimmy. And I love you. Like you were also 12 and you didn't know. And that was cruel. And fuck you. And I love you. And I forgive you. You know, and it's like really doing the work. And it, and it seems so silly where it's like, how could that make a difference? But I have had some background stories going on in my life that only through certain spiritual practices, breath work, certain meditations that I realized like, holy shit, this thing from when I was seven is, has been playing in the background with regards to how I relate to other women my whole life. And to the point where it's like, wow, I had no idea that that was there. And so first having the self-awareness. And then when I had the self-awareness, I could see how that was then in my consciousness playing out You know, like I could see it. I could have that meta perspective of like, oh, that's, I think that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I had no idea that that experience on the playground when I was seven had that effect to where I'm not interested. You know, women aren't safe. Girls, other girls in friendship aren't safe. I'm always going to be the one that's on the out, you know, outcast of sorts. And uh, I might as well just be friends with the guys. But if I'm friends with the guys, then that leads me to the other memory, which is having Alexis a slut written really large on the outside of my house when I was in high school. So women are dangerous no matter which way you turn. And that was all playing in the background before finding certain um, experiences of, or tools rather, of personal development and self-development that have helped me regulate my nervous system, get in touch with, you know, some of the, some of the, the challenges and the wounds and the trauma that I experienced growing up. So that as an adult, those things, you know, my reaction to those traumas were essentially protecting me at that time when I was young and vulnerable and now I'm an adult and that's not my reality. And so when the habits and the patterns play out because of those things, it's not protecting me. It's actually hurting the relationships that I would ultimately like to have, but it's my responsibility to work on that. And I think so many people miss that. That's what we're actually doing. They're like, oh, these hippy dippy people with their podcasts talking about being sexually liberated and whatever. Like, what are they even talking about? Well, we're talking about coming home to ourselves. We're talking about living lives that we truly want to live by knowing what we want in a moment and having the presence in order to apologize when that's necessary speaking out when that's necessary, protecting others when it's necessary, taking responsibility 
when that's necessary, which is always. So it's much bigger than just, you know, we all want to have a great fuck. We want that too. We want lots of those. Um, and I think we want the foundations that great fucks are built off of. I should put that on a shirt or something. That was good. <laughs> you know, I felt very like I should be at a podium for that one. <laughs> I'd buy it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't just want a great fuck. I want the foundation that great fucks are built off. Yeah. Okay. Before I get too, too out there, but um, yeah, big stuff. And so I think how I would like to maybe round out our convo, which I've thoroughly enjoyed, Kyle. Thank you so much. Um, what are some ways that you would encourage people to, let's say, start expressing themselves more in their sexuality? Mm. Beautiful. So great way to start. A couple of things come to mind. A, being a part of a sex positive or sex conscious community surrounding yourself with community. You're starting, if you're listening to this, you're doing a great job already because you're putting this type of content into your ears and you're listening to it as opposed to all the content you had growing up of telling you you're a bad person for liking sex and all these kinds of shameful things, right? So surrounding yourself with community, um, if you're queer, being a part of a queer community, right? Um, So surrounding yourself with that positive information, positive experiences, also... You brought up emotional regulation, which is humongous. This is a huge part of this work um, because especially nowadays, we see a lot of people who are easily fucking triggered over every little thing. Um, The truth is, if you are easily triggered and you are reactionary to those triggers, uh, you are not in control of your life. Plain and simple. You do not have power over your life because whoever triggers you has power over you. And so if I can trigger you, I know I can take you out of your Zen, take you out of your presence and piss you off, right? You're not in control of your life. You take power over your life by recognizing when you've been triggered, a trigger comes up, recognize a trigger, not as this bad thing, but as an opportunity for growth and development and going, why is this fucking triggering me? And taking that moment before I start yelling at this person or whatnot to going, okay, this is creating a sensation in myself that I don't like. Why? Why? What is this validating in me? What is this talking to my insecurities? If you can work on that in your life, and this is not even just the sexual world, um, this can help you in your entire life. If you can know how to regulate in those quick moments and be mindful of, I'm triggered right now, I need to shift this energy so that I don't react in a way that's going to make me regret. I'm going to hit someone. I'm going to do something that I regret and is going to make me look bad or make me feel bad about myself. Now I can move my energy in a more healthy way, which there's so many ways we could do that. Breath, sound, movement, dance, all these kinds of things. Um, If you want to know more, reach out to me. But if you can move your energy in a good way so that you can come back to whatever that was, and then you can actually reflect on why was I triggered? And now I have an understanding why I was triggered is because that actually spoke to an event that happened in my life years ago. And it's not this person. It's not this person in front of me that I want to project and be mad at. It's actually an opportunity for me to learn about myself. And so when you can do that in your life, you take greater power and you have greater self-awareness of these triggers so that they don't affect you, so that they don't control you, and so that you can actually let them go. That was So big. So powerful. Yes. It's huge. And that even 
um, kind of piggybacks on my underscore where it's like, you can go find a bunch of people who were triggered and you're validating each other based off of being disenfranchised, being triggered, being, um, being oppressed, whatever it is, you can find people to have a pity party on a low level and to be completely and utterly delusional on another level. And you can leave the whole world out to get you and all those things. But if you are just figuring out something about yourself and about your identity or your sexual preferences or your sexual expression, then go find people that you look at them and you could admire them. They're radiating. They feel integrated or they feel like they have a healthy connection with how they're exploring who they are. Find those people, find that community and listen to yourself. Like really. And so sometimes that means that you have to shut the rest of the world up, go somewhere quiet, close your eyes, take deep breaths and ask yourself really important, simple, but not easy questions. Like what do I really want for myself right now? What do I really want for myself? How would I experience pleasure right now? And in those, even those little moments, stack those, stack them and stack them and stack them. And you have a life beyond what you can imagine, sex included. So you mentioned, you know, we were only able to, to cover certain little tools and things, and you invited our audience to just reach out to you if they wanted to learn more. And so where would you like them to go other than your OnlyFans, which I'm sure there's going to be several people that are like, what is NSFW? That means not safe for work, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for having me on here, Alexa. It's been a pleasure chatting. Had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you can reach out to me um, on Instagram. It's at Dr. Kyle Dean. That's my title across uh, TikTok, Instagram, OnlyFans. Um, you could go to my website, drkyledean.com, or just send me an email. Um, don't hesitate. If you have questions, if you're interested to learn more, I am happy to help. I do not chase people. I attract people. And if you are attracted to me and my work, I am happy to see if we're aligned and work together. So Amazing. Thank you so, so much for coming on to the show for sharing your wisdom, your, um, I wanted to say buoyant. I don't know if that's the, is that personality. I don't know if that's like a way personalities are described. It feels like, like floating and happy and, but also like real and grounded. I don't know. It's a mix. Um, sometimes I hit the nail on the head with my descriptors and sometimes they're just a little bit off, but, um, it was a joy. <laughs> it was a joy getting to know you, getting to hear your story. Um, and of course I can imagine that a number of people who are listening, no matter what their gender is, there was messages, um, for everyone and what you were sharing. And so again, thank you so much and listeners go check out Dr. Kyle Dean's work across all social media. And, um, I would encourage a few of you that might be interested to go check out his uh, OnlyFans as well. All right. That's it for the show. Thank you. Thank you, Alexa. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.